So yeah, I think you've trained me pretty well that I have learned to put the toilet seat down every time, right? Yes, we worked really hard on that at the very beginning of our marriage because I had a sister and shared a bathroom with a sister and never had that issue. And so for men are different. That's a we, big deal. It's up, it's up most of the time and then down occasionally. So we have yeah. to work hard to learn to put it down, which I've been pretty good, right? I mean, I've you learned. really have. Yeah. You really have. And now that our sons are kind of out of the nest, that helps too. But that every now and then 3 a.m. sit down and you're expecting the potty seat to be there and it's not is so disgusting and gross and vile and so horrifying is, it's like i need to take a shower afterwards so this is an area that a man could be right 99.9 percent of the time but if he's off 0.1 percent it causes catastrophe for the woman but it's okay i, I get over it Good. and i'm a wet wipe freak and <laughs> oh, i'm a germaphobe it's really bad well, hey, welcome to the Info for Families podcast, the podcast for imperfect and normal families only. That's I-N-F-O, so Info is the acronym there, if you haven't figured that out yet. This is our fourth episode of doing this, honey, so welcome to number four. Yay. The fourth time's a charm. Well, how do you know if this podcast is for you, honey? This, How do you know this? people listening to the first time mm-hmm. have landed in the right place for this podcast? Yeah, you're in the right place if you feel guilty every time you hear a statistic about the negative impact of screen time on a child's development. Yeah, this that's podcast is the, for you if you sign. ever have that feeling. Yeah, I feel guilty about that, like probably every day of my life. But you know what? Our son who's in college spends a lot of time in front of the computer for school and everything. Yeah, and yeah. I just think, you know what? Most jobs nowadays, you're going to have to do that. Can you can you play Call of Duty in most jobs, though? <laughs> probably. <laughs> if you need a stress reliever on your lunch hour, maybe. But they are having to sit at computers a whole lot this more than you and I have ever had to. Indeed. Well, here's a question. If you've ever gotten into a 20-minute argument on a date night about where to eat out, maybe even gone home and said, forget it, <laughs> then this podcast is for you. I would never say forget it. I don't want to cook. <laughs> I'll, I'll go wherever you want to go. I just don't want to cook anymore. This is a story from your life. What about this next one, hon? <laughs> this podcast is for you. If your teenage son stored his homecoming date's corsage in the freezer instead of the fridge, but still thought he was a stud putting black roses on his date's wrist. Yeah, so that happened to a friend of yours in high school? hmm And he didn't know any better. He just thought black Poor roses guy. are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, our kids aren't perfect and we're not perfect. But that's the great thing about the family we have and the world we live in is that we can be imperfect and we can be imperfect together. So uh, we'll explore that today a little bit. Mm -hmm. So today's big topic, we're going to cover how to change your spouse. And so I know everyone's probably tuning into this going, all right, giddy up. (laughs) I can't wait to learn how to change my spouse. Let's talk about that. All right. We'll save that for just a minute. But first, let's uh, do our featured imperfect normal family of the week. So for our featured imperfect normal family, I think of my friend Ken who tells the story of on a winter day taking his kids to school and he had a teenage son, 14 years old, I believe. And a part of getting ready for school was loading up the car and getting your, you know, your backpack and your lunch and loading up and heading to school. Well, it's a cold, freezing winter day. They get two thirds of the way to school. It's probably a 15 minute drive. <laughs> and the, the kid hears, or the kid says in the back of the car, uh oh. And dad, of course, says, what? And the kid says, I forgot my shoes. 
And and can you imagine, you know, that's what kids do. They just uh, forget. 14's a little old, though. Well, I think if you're a 14-year-old aware of walking boy, across yeah. a parking a driveway in 40-degree weather, you could probably know that, yeah, yeah. in fact, this is yeah. not going to work. So I think probably every family relates to uh, forgetting shoes. My friend Ken, who I hang out with in Las Vegas this summer, he's got three young children. And the, the front door, you should have seen this, Jen. It was awesome. They had literally... I mean, literally, there must have been 80 pairs of shoes really? all lined up on little dressers and tables by the front door just to never have this problem. Oh, my goodness. Wow. We should have done that. I don't know. But that'd be a lot of shoes for our clan. Beats me. I'm such a, I don't know. I don't like clutter. So that wouldn't have worked well for me. But well, I think of what Tim Hawkins says. Tim Hawkins got a routine about uh, picking up shoes. And it'll be just play for you right here. This is awesome. That's the thing. I'm just getting sick of it. That's one thing. I don't know. It's like all I ever do in my life, in my house is uh, look for my kids' shoes. <laughs> They're never together. Is that true here where you live? The kids' shoes are never together. That's all I do is look for, and I'm sick of it. I don't care anymore. I'm just like getting a car. I don't care what's on your feet. I really don't care. <laughs> I don't put a Ziploc storage bag on your feet. I don't give, I don't care if the shoes don't match. I don't care if they're wearing a, wearing a rain boot and a flip-flop. I don't care. <laughs> See, I think Walmart has it right when they sell their shoes. They have that plastic string that holds them together. Maybe we're not supposed to cut that. <laughs> Let's stop doing it. Daddy, wait up! So there's your solution. Just uh, put a Ziploc bag on your kid's foot. and That'll work. And they'll be fine. No problem yeah. at all. So again, <laughs> well, let's move on to what's happening in the news. So maybe you heard the story or not, honey, but let me fill you in. There were about 30 parents who were charged now, Justice Department investigation over a long period of time, parents who were charged with bribing, falsifying, cheating mm -hmm. on test scores to help their kids get into major universities. I think USC was named and Yale, University of Texas, which just for the record, Texas a was not named in this scandal. <laughs> I'm so proud. But University of Texas was. If Gosh. you know us, that's a part of our story. So go Aggies. Um, but there was families that were uh, conspiracy, huge. There was uh, admissions people changing test scores, people taking, uh, correcting SAT scores. One celebrities, I believe, one of their children, if I'm not mistaken, was uh, got like a 1,000 on the SAT but turned in a 1420 because of falsification of these. And they're like charging so like, like a crime. Lying and lines of people getting paid off by those people. There was a lot to, of people involved in it. I'm not sure oh who set it up gosh. or began it. They're still investigating, but they just came out with the information right now. Uh, the article had an interesting couple of quotes here, and that's relevant for us. The Here's what it says. The this is the New York Times study. The charges also underscored how college admissions have become so cutthroat and competitive that some have sought to break the rules. The authorities say the parents of some of the nation's wealthiest and most privileged students sought to buy spots for their children at top universities, not only cheating the system, but potentially cheating other hardworking students out of a chance at a college education. In many cases, this is the best part, prosecutors said, the students were not aware that their parents were doctoring their test scores and lying to get them into school. Yeah, that's the part that horrifies me. I would really, really like to be in the room when the kid finds out. I'd love to see what they said and what the reactions were. I mean, So a kid to say, I didn't get a 1420 on the yeah, SAT? only got and a, you did all this and now you're in trouble? And, and may go to jail or fines I mean, or whatever that's else. that's just nuts. It's crazy, but it just speaks to the fact that it's become crazy people trying to get their kids into college or the right college or the best colleges. And it's just nuts. <sighs> I'm over it. We've gotten four, three graduated, one more in college right now and 
the next one might just pick a trade or become a stay-at-home mom I think out the, of the gate. I think, She's such a I think the Dairy Queen's mother. looking like an amazing no. career choice. There's, there's She's so, so good with kids. She will do great. But, but just, it is. It's, 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 I mean, just the paperwork and just everything. It's, it's just crazy. I mean, it really, really is. And um, I'm, I'm really glad it's over with. <laughs> well, for the parents out there, though, who are stressed about getting their kids in the right college, parents just relax. Just yeah. relax. It's going to be okay. If you get your kid into a, a, a high prestige Ivy League school versus another one. I even read an article and a uh, story in uh, Freakonomics, the book written years ago, Freakonomics, talked about kids who are in the top of their class at a mid-tier university do better in life than kids that just barely eke by to get into Yale or Harvard yeah. or Princeton. Yeah, I believe it. So, so don't think somehow there's... Do you think maybe it's parents who just want to pack themselves in the back saying my kid got into Oh, parents whatever. vicariously living through their children, of course. And then, you know, I mean, honestly, if we had had enough money and all of our kids could have, got a, could have gotten into A&M, we would have loved them to go there because it's, or, you know, or bribe, your dad went there. And or, your, or, or bribe somebody to send them to UT. We could have done that too. But no, we wouldn't do that. But, but we would have loved to have done that. But we've been satisfied with a good education from a good state school. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been great. So. So parents relax. It's not worth it. Well, and I just have watched this over and over again. Um, they end up where God wants them to be. And even when you're disappointed, you can almost be excited that God's got something else. So don't let the world give you the standards of what's acceptable or what's achievement or what's success. Yep. It just doesn't matter. Well, cool. Let's move on to our big featured story of the day. All right, the big topic, how to change your spouse. So you've got something in your spouse you see and you look at him or you look at her and you think, yeah, this I need to fix this part of my spouse. How does that go, Jen? Typically, we think changing your spouse can happen. We see this at marriage prep with a lot of newlywed girls or engaged girls who have this yeah, maybe yeah. false idea of what they can do. Well, you definitely see it with the girls who are kind of the girl that dates the bad guy too. Oh, yes. And wants to fix him or help him or rescue him. Well, that's kind of like you and me. I mean, those years that I was in the biker gang and, <laughs> you know, I was selling drugs no, in the streets. I was just having to save no. you from fashion disaster oh, back you. then. I do appreciate you she, helping me with that. You were my... wearing clothes that you shouldn't have been wearing at well, that I, but, period of time. <laughs> anyway. And, well, in, in case in point, I haven't changed that much in 30 years. So I, I'm here to help. So, what do you see the girls so the girls are hoping that they will marry this guy and there's like let's say 10 things that she really wants to change about him and honestly most of the time i'd say nine out nine times out of ten it's very unrealistic to think that you're going to change him if it's a major part of who he is and his personality and his bent and the way that god made him and so Instead, I feel like you need to push into it and appreciate the differences. There we go. So I guess there are, this is a bait and switch, honestly, our topic today. Can you, or how do you change your spouse? And the really fundamental answer to that is probably if you're hoping to dramatically change your spouse, you're, you're probably going to be frustrated because really we don't change that much. Our personality wise, our temperament, our male, female things, we, we kind of who are who we are. Mm-hmm. Now, again, we'll talk about this in just a moment. There's sinful parts of us. There's fleshy parts of us that need to be transformed and, and sanctified and brought to the submission of Jesus. So we, we do change and improve and grow. But if there's fundamental things about how your spouse operates or, or who he is or what he's like, again, those poor girls marrying, it's like 
sweetheart, you got probably the best of him when you were dating. Yeah. And and yeah. and hoping to change him after you marry, that's when he starts coasting, unfortunately, mm-hmm. unless he's truly transformed by Jesus. So so look at this in let's look at this in three kind of categories in How about the first one is um, kind of male male female differences that we want to change that mm-hmm. we probably shouldn't. Maybe the temperament things of how God's wired our spouse. And then let's talk about the sinful stuff that maybe we can look at. So yeah. let's start with the the male female stuff. So obviously you and I are very different because you're a woman and I'm a man. <laughs> yes. And there are certainly nuances to all that, but there's some fundamental things that you're wired to be like and I'm wired to be like. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to talk about Gunger um, and send people to YouTube to listen to his yeah. tale of two brains, but it's just such a great explanation of um, guys compartmentalizing and then women's brains being more of a mishmash of spaghetti or wires and um, yeah. that are all connected. And um, so literally our brains don't function the same. And yeah. so we expect our husbands to think the way that we think and look at things the way that we look at it and see the things that... Um, you know, I don't know that we see and we're so disappointed when he doesn't. And honestly, working with newlywed girls, I've had them say, Miss Jen, I just think I picked the wrong one because he doesn't do what I want to do not to laugh. And I say, Oh my gosh, honey, every girl in this whole entire church or world or whatever, that's, you know, we all have those thoughts when we first get married, you know, it's just different and you're with each other all the time and you're just going to find things that are different and just don't be bitter about it. Like well, look I've, for the good in it. Well, I've had to learn, I, I confess, I think probably you have as well. I, I've had to learn to live with and love and interact with a woman, which has been the greatest joy of my life. I love every party that's different from me, but it has been an adjustment because there's parts of the woman psyche, the female brain that just doesn't come naturally to me. I don't know how to do, I don't, I don't know. I want to understand. I want to get inside your head. I want to empathize and I want to love you well in the middle of that. But there's a part of stuff that from a man's perspective in his wife that we try to say, Hey, I understand that. But really we probably don't. Yeah. We don't fully get it because we don't think like you think, but, but that's okay. It's, mm. it's good. I, I've heard it said before that uh, every man who is married to a woman does better um, in in work and career because he's got a woman kind of training him how to be a man. He's training yeah, him how to be in a relationship, yeah, how to be how to dress better, yeah. <laughs> how to how to uh, understand emotions, understand other people, and how they're wired. Right. All those different things. And so again, there's value that you bring to me and value mm-hmm. that I bring to you. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to be like me. Yeah, and and I for so many years when we were first married, I was working against. Um, the good of our marriage by wanting you to do things the way that I want them to be done. And that kind of segues into number two. Well, let's pause for a minute. Let me do recommend Mark Gunger. We, oh, yeah. we, we love Mark. So He's got a, a great little video series called Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage. We, we host him at our church a number of years ago. He's just fantastic. And he's funny. It's, it's not like it's humor in your marriage. It's just his delivery is humorous, so you kind of laugh at yourself. But he does a great job in his talk called A Tale of Two Brains. There's like part one and part two where he really unpacks these differences. And so we'll recommend that in just a minute, just to tune into some of what he has to say, because it's just it very insightful. so good. Good it to help really you understand. Well, how about beyond just male-female differences, how about just temperament differences? Because you're wired with a certain temperament. I'm wired with a certain temperament. We're definitely very, very different how we approach things. Mm-hmm. Um, and many times those opposites are what attract you. Mm-hmm. But later on, those opposites are things that drive you nuts down the road. So how, right. do, how do we deal with that? Well, for me, I was the firstborn bossy sister. And so I think I took that into our marriage. And 
I just thought, you know, Barrett should do the yard the way I want it done. He should take the trash out when I think it should go. Um, from little things to big things, I think I, gosh, I feel like I was just a snot and very <laughs> bossy. And I just felt bad. I remember my sister saying, you talk to Barrett like he's a little kid, but that's when we had little kids and Barrett, you know, invited me in to say, this is what you do with our kids. Because boys don't, daddies don't naturally know exactly how to take care of young children and stuff. It, it wasn't my strength. So I depended upon you to coach me on those things. Mm-hmm. But, but the differences were certainly there. But I'm so glad for the differences, especially with our personalities. I'm super tenderhearted and um, have the gift of mercy almost to a, to the, I don't know. And I'm more cut and dry and more facts. and Logical and, logical. and factual. And we're a really good team. We're a good yeah, blend. Indeed. Um, well, I think Gunger talked about this once. He said that one of the biggest uh, common denominators of our arguments or our conflicts or anytime we're not seeing eye to eye with our spouse, what's going on in our minds is the thought of, of why can't you be more like me? Mm-hmm. Why, why can't you see this the way that yes. I see it? Why can't yeah. you approach this issue or feel about this issue the way that I feel about it, the way that I see it? Because the way that I see it is the correct way. Right. If you just come over to my side and do what I do and think yeah. like I think, then we'd be better off. And again, many times your spouse is not going to fully understand it or see it the way you do, but that's good, not not bad. So be thankful that you're different. And if you are being like I was when we first got married, kind of think about this and start, instead of saying, hey, I want you to do it my way, start letting him do things the way he wants to do them and just see the change that happens and look for the good. I mean, it really can turn things around. I mean, in a big, big way. I also love doing any kind of personality um, profiles, and we love Mark Gunger's That flag page flag is a good page. thing. Yep. Um, because, again, I think we need to, even though we know our personalities, we've been married 30 years, I think you need to do it every now and then just to remind yourself, this is how God made Barrett. He is not doing this to make you mad. He didn't wake up with a 10-step plan to make you mad for the day. We just think so differently. Well, you mentioned let your spouse, let your husband kind of lead his way and then see how it goes. I think likewise, men, you need to listen to the insights of your wife. She sees things and is aware of things that you're not aware of. Mm -hmm. And giving her the credence and the value that she brings to the table is incredible. I call Jennifer the Holy Spirit in a dress sometimes because she's aware of things in the spiritual realm behind the surface that, that I don't really notice that she is very attuned to. So it, it loves her and blesses her when I, I don't know, uh, listen and, and value her perspective and realize that the two of us together are better. Yeah. Well, how about the third thing? So there's the, the, the gender differences. There's the temperament differences. But what about change where somebody's bent or someone's behavior or someone's attitude shifts more into sinful behavior where it's not good. It's not healthy. It's not what they need to be doing. How do you change that? So let's just be very specific. You see in your spouse, something that uh, they're doing that, that hurts you uh, emotionally mm-hmm. hurts the relationship or a behavior, or a habit that is undermining the very best for your relationship. Mm-hmm. You see that and, and it's driving you nuts how do you bring about change? How do you initiate being a part of advocating for change in your partner's life? Jen, when you see me be a jerk or I hurt your feelings somehow, what do you do with that? Well, I kind of started from the very beginning in our marriage, and I'm sure some godly woman taught me this, but 
you know, if I'm offended, the first thing I do is tattletale to God. And I literally just say, God, did you see him do that? Like, did you, did you hear that? Did you, I I can't believe he's doing that. And it's like, I'm just talking to God as if he's sitting next to me. Now, when you started us, though, when we were early in our marriage, both of us were young and dumb. Probably if you were hurt, you probably said, you hurt me and here's what you did wrong and, and kind of almost started off with an attack which I probably didn't receive very well. And we'll talk about being defensive later on another date. But that that going to God first before immediately confronting is probably a wise first step. Especially if you're young, married, and you're still figuring things out. And, and maybe if you've been married for a long time, too, you really need to ask God to help you sift things out. And our big saying is don't major on the minors. Mm-hmm. And that's very much what... I've got to turn to God and say, God, you know, he made me mad or he offended me or whatever. You know, what should I do? Is this is this a little thing or is this a big thing? And I feel like I'll never forget the day that I you did something and it wasn't just me being a jerk. I you really did do something and I can't remember what it was. I'm sure we can make a but long list. But I wanted list. to pick up the phone and call you and just absolutely gripe you out. And you were at church, of course, and I didn't because I really felt like God was not, you know, I just didn't feel at peace about it. And when you got home that night, I found out that probably about the same exact time that I would have been calling you, you had a major crisis in your office with counseling someone. And Barrett always answers the phone um, when I call him, even if he's in the middle of counseling somebody. And I appreciate that so much. So I'm so glad that I didn't do what my flesh wanted to do that day. And I listened to what God, you know, was helping me know the right timing. And I think that is so huge because timing is so important that you, first of all, calm down, um, take it to God and say, is this a major or a minor? Oh, if and it's then, a, what if it's a minor? What if it is a minor and it's not a major thing? What What do you do with that? I'd bring it up for sure. If it's a minor, you bring it up? Well, I mean, I don't know. Minor, minor. Yeah. It, you know, it's not going to hurt you. It's not going to offend you. Okay. Um, I don't know. Are there every times that God says, you know what, don't, don't bring this up at all. It's not a big deal. Right. Let it go. Let it go. Right. Give some grace because it's it's not worth, you know, stirring over. Yeah. That happens sometimes. But then if it's something, maybe God says, let's do let's- We need some examples here. <laughs> I mean, like, literally, I used to get so mad that you would leave your socks out or you would not put the um, dang shower, a uh, towel back in the shower the right way. And I mean, I even got to the point where I don't have, um, towel bars anymore i just have like um pegs pegs are much easier than towel bars (laughs) and especially for boys and you still wouldn't do it you know but god showed me jennifer you um are so blessed to have a husband who's here with you when some of my friends have lost their spouses i I look at it in a different way i have a different perspective now where i would have been just you know mad about stupid stuff like that it just that's a minor, you know. But, but so, so when I leave my socks on the floor, it makes you appreciate me more. I honestly thank God that those socks are on the ground so and that I, you're with me. I've started to leave my underwear and t-shirts yeah, and right. scatter them everywhere just so my wife will appreciate no. me more. No, no, of course not. You're good. I've got it. So if so God gives you the right time, the timing to bring it up, when my heart is open, spirit's yeah. open, and that's important to listen God to God. Because God readies your heart yes. to receive whatever I'm going to say. Yeah, that's good. So I had that conversation with, it's not attacking, but just here's what I feel and here's what how this is affecting 
affecting me. Mm-hmm. If you have a good-willed spouse, even just a portion of a good-willed spouse, um, he's got a morsel of goodwill in his heart. If you say, this has hurt me, not an attacking way. You did this, you did this, it, not accused, just this has hurt me. This is what I feel. Mm-hmm. Someone can't, um, you can't question that. You can't say, mm-hmm. no, you don't feel that way. Well, right. you know, I have to acknowledge your feelings and uh, go with it from there. So so don't attack, but go. And again, if there's a habitual pattern of behavior that you're thinking, this has got to change in my spouse and all of my efforts have, I don't know, have, have been fruitless. Ultimately, we, we kind of have... Not bad news for you, but but news probably you don't want to hear. There's not a magical sprinkle fairy dust on something and make somebody change. Ultimately, if change is going to happen in someone's life, it's going to happen because God does a work in their life and they're willing to submit to that change. Mm-hmm. Now, you can do all you can to foster that, to to bring up things that, that are concerned to you, but you can't you can't fix your spouse. You can't change your spouse. You have power over exactly one person in your marriage, and that one person is you. Yeah, and that's it. But if it's something that's damaging to the family, damaging to the marriage, um, I, I do believe that we need to bring an authority in. It's a great idea. Um, you know, a Sunday school teacher, a... A pastor or a, pa- a couple you respect or something. Mm-hmm. Involve somebody else. Say, hey, we need some help on this. And just say, look, we just need you to listen to what we're going through and tell us what we could do to make it better. Yeah. Um, just community is so important to be able to kind of put it out there. And, and it really, it holds you accountable. I, I just, I really think community groups and small groups are, are the most important component of church and of life because you have accountability. And we are living in a world right now where there's, we're, nobody's accountable to anybody. You can do whatever you want to do. You can say whatever you want to say practically. Um, even if it hurts people, even if it's the wrong thing, and there's no authority, but we need people to step in sometimes as a neutral party that's going to help us and, and, and if, can and, hear us out. And of course, if there's a, the, the sin or the, the, the behavior in your spouse's life is so horrible and there's something that's you know damaging, there's some, there's abuse. There's of course mm-hmm. seek authorities. You know, start. Again, we always tell if there's if there's someone hurting you, somebody, if there's a physical abuse, call the police. The I mean, day it happens. I mean, have, that don't, minute. Don't de- wait. Deal with it. Deal with it. Take, take yep. it to the authorities necessary for you there. But if it's, you know, not DEFCON 1 stuff, but it's a little uh, just typical you know, marital challenge that you want to overcome and, and grow in, certainly seek some help from somebody else around you. But take responsibility for yourself. And, of course, just pray. Pray, pray, pray. Pray for your partner. Pray that God would work. Pray their heart would be softened. And pray that um, the things that you've been trying to suggest or point out or bring their attention, that they're having an effect on you or your family life, that, uh, that God does want to bring about transformation there. And- the only times I've seen true transformation in situations like we are speaking of is when people really, really do pray. And God speaks to them and tells them step by step what to do. It amazes me. I mean, I think that is the most important thing in the whole world is that you realize God has a voice. He does direct you and guide you through his word and friends that are godly. And if you don't have that, you don't have any power. Um, the power comes from looking to him and how to handle it. Indeed. And what steps to take. 
So that's some good direction for the major, major stuff. But I think most couples listening to us right now are just, you know, looking at small things that I wish my partner were more like this or less like this. For those things, I think a little bit of understanding goes a long way. Understanding how your spouse is wired differently as a man or a woman, uh, how, how their, God's given them a temperament and just accommodating for those things and appreciating those things. With that in mind, we'll let you know about our featured resource of the week. So we mentioned the tale of two brains earlier, Mark Gunger's laugh your way to a better marriage stuff. And there's just a ton of insights there just for fun. We'll pull off a of YouTube and play you a clip here. Listen to what this, uh, what Mark has to say about just male and female brains and how they're wired differently. We're going to start discussing men's brains, women's brains, and how they're very different from each other. Now I want to start with men's brains. All right. Now men's brains are, are very unique. Men's brains are made up of little boxes. And we have a box for everything. We've got a box for the car. We've got a box for the money. We've got a box for the job. We've got a box for you. We've got a box for the kids. We've got a box for your mother somewhere in the basement. We've got, we got, we, we got boxes everywhere. And, and the rule is, the boxes don't touch. When a man discusses a particular subject, we go to that particular box, we pull that box out, we open the box, we discuss only what is in that box. And, and, and then we close the box and put it away being very, very careful not to touch any other boxes. Now women's brains are very, very different from men's brains. Women's brains are made up of a big ball of wire. And everything is connected to everything. The money's connected to the car, and the car's connected to your job, and your kids are connected to your mother, and everything's connected to everything. And it's like... It's like the internet superhighway, okay? And, and it's all driven by energy that we call emotion. It's, it's, it's one of the reasons why women tend to remember everything. Because if you take an event and you connect it to an emotion, it burns in your memory and you can remember it forever. The same thing happens for men. It just doesn't happen very often because quite frankly, we don't care. All right. Women tend to care about everything. And she just loves it. <laughs> okay. Now men, we have a box in our brain that most women are not aware of. This particular box has nothing in it. In fact, we call it the nothing box. <laughs> and of all the boxes a man has in his brain, the nothing box is our favorite box. <laughs> if a man has a chance, he'll go to his nothing box every time. That's why a man can do something seemingly completely brain dead for hours on end. You know, like fishing. 
So yeah, Gunger's great and he's funny and he's encouraging. There's probably four or five hours of content available online that you can find on YouTube, but just start there. Maybe download a couple of those on YouTube. Next time you want to watch a movie together in bed or Netflix, pull up Mark Gunger stuff on YouTube and enjoy it that way. It may give you some encouragement or some things to laugh about and help you understand each other better. We love watching it and just pushing pause occasionally and talking about what you hear. So take advantage of that great resource. It will be good for you. We always have a question of the week, honey. Here's our fancy magical question of the week. So our question of the week is not an easy one. And we bring this to you with some trepidation, knowing there's not a really perfect answer. But I do want to address something about the question. Here's what one man in his young 50s asks. He says this, if a man has never learned how to express feelings to his wife, can she expect him to learn this as a 50-year-old man? So what you've got is you got a, a dude who's been married for 25, 30 years. He admits as a man that I stink at expressing feelings. My wife wants that for me. Can I be expected to learn that now that I'm 50 years old? And can you teach an old dog a new trick? Mm-hmm. And this is at the root of can anybody change? Here's my one response to this. Uh, the, you know, you can look back on what we just shared as some ways to maybe help with that. But the one thing I think about is here's a man asking this question. And he's asking it almost wanting a, a free pass mm-hmm. to not have to change. Right. It's almost like he's saying, I've okay, been this way this for so way, long. She has to just deal with this who I am and, and I don't have to change right. No. All of us are being transformed. All of us are being sanctified. All of us submit to a God who does have the power to change lives. And we've seen Jesus do that in the scripture of miraculous deeds of taking someone from lost to found and blind to see. We've got to believe that God can, can slowly chip away at our hearts to make it and refine us to make us more of what he wants us to be in our marriages. Again, that can be a slow, arduous process. And I don't think this guy is going to be Casanova expressing all kinds of affection to his girl mm-hmm. in five years from now or you know, 20 years from now. But stopping or being stagnant and saying, well, this is who I am. Just who I am. I can't change. Don't expect me to change. Right. I think is a cop out. Yeah. And it communicates if I say that to you, honey, this is the way I can't change. I'm communicating to you, you're not valuable enough for me to try. Right, right. And I think all of us need to be willing to try. And we are going to try till the day we're gone. I mean, yeah. till the day we die. We won't ever figure any of this stuff out. It's a constant. But it's so terrible when people get stuck. And like you said, this sound, this question is just sounds so much like someone wanting affirmation. This is who I am. And... I can't do anything about it. So back to original question, uh, how do you change your spouse? Number one, stop trying to change your spouse. Don't make that a big goal of your life. If you married someone, you realized, you know what, he's this, 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 and this, and I don't like that. First step is to just say, you know what, try to love him through those things you don't like about his Mm -hmm. personality or his character. That's just a hard thing. But again, if there's things in our lives that are sinful, we need to maybe take a step of those things and go, God, how does it look like for me to begin to submit those things to you? And recognize when your spouse comes to you and says, hey, I wish you'd work on this, they're not saying I don't like you. They're really saying I love you enough to bring out the very, very best in you and to make what we have in our marriage more rewarding than it's ever been before. Mm-hmm. So, so don't see your spouse as your enemy when they want you to change. Be blessed that you have someone who loves you enough that wants to bring about transformation and join God honestly. Boy, marriage will refine you more than anything else in the world. Join God in being a part of that refining, sanctification, growth process in your life to make you more like Jesus. And that's what we should look to our spouses to do in all parts of our lives. So mm-hmm. be about the business of changing okay. you and see what God does. And if it changes your spouse along the way, that'd be spectacular. Sounds great. 
Well, that's all we got for today. As always, uh, remember that we're here for you. Reach out to us so we can send us your questions and that kind of stuff. And we also want to just remind you of a couple of things we offer for ministry. I want to talk briefly, Jen, to remind folks listening out there about our great marriage getaway. Mm-hmm. We do this now every fall. <laughs> we did it last fall, and it was such a humdinger of a spectacular event that we're committed to doing it at least the next two years. But October 11 through 13, 2019, we'll be joining about 500 couples at Ridgecrest Conference Center outside of Asheville for the Marriage Conference of All Marriage Conferences. And so tell me what you thought was awesome about it last year, honey. Mm, Well, it is just the whole thing is absolutely amazing. Um, Getting to go to breakouts, you get to choose which breakouts you want to go to. Um, really drills down in the areas you need to work on or tweak right. out or really refine in your marriage, which is yeah. good. Yeah, beautiful scenery, just a beautiful Asheville is such a fun place to go. Um, it's We've got a great balance of time alone with your spouse and then time to learn and grow. I, I love it that we're at this giant 70-year-old, beautiful and really nice Baptist conference center. Mm-hmm. The housing is you know, it's great. Yeah. It's like a Hampton Inn without a TV, basically. Um, <laughs> but uh, I love the fact that on Saturday afternoon, when you've got free time from lunch until dinner, you've got all kinds of do not disturb tags on the doors. Probably <laughs> doesn't happen doesn't happen that much at the Baptist Conference Center where, oh where gosh, folks are so getting funny. jiggy with it at the Baptist Convention Center. We love that. Yeah. But it's a great time. Uh, if you want more information on that, go to our website or just go to www.com greatmarriagegetaway.com and you can find out all the information. Registration is now open and we're more than halfway filled up. Well, Mm -hmm. more than half our spots are filled up and we're still six, seven months away. So we'd love for you to inquire about that and join us for that event in Asheville this fall. Um, Please go to the podcast episode page at infoforfamilies.com to find out information on some of the resources we mentioned today. And shoot us your emails, help at infoforfamilies.com will reach us. Give us your four real Friday stories and send us your questions and we'll try to deal with them here on the air. And of course, we'll always keep you safely anonymous. Do us a favor. If you like what you listen to here, go subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, you can post a review or give us four or five stars on that. And please tell somebody about it. Go to our Facebook page. You can find ways to share links and share the podcast with other people. We'd love to build our audience and have more and more people be encouraged in their imperfect and normal family, just like yours and ours. You know, all the podcasting that I've done with different people, I think podcasts are great where the guy can listen to it on the way home from work or on the way to work and the woman can listen to it when she finds a place and time during the day. Or she's and working on her way come, to work. Yeah. Then you can come together and talk about it, you know, instead of sitting, because the two of you aren't going to sit down probably and listen yeah. to this together. So being able to do it in your timing on your own and then come together and talk about it is just a great way to have eternal conversation in your marriage and so dudes out there fellas you would make your wife very happy if you said hey you know what there's this podcast on abc or whatever uh one of the episodes we've got here why don't you listen to it today and i'll listen to it today and tonight when we put the kids to bed let's just sit down for a minute instead of turning the tv on or whatever let's let's talk about it a little bit what you hear and what you learn and, and mm-hmm. sharpen our marriages that's a great idea jen yeah you're full of them you're all <laughs> kinds of great ideas well all of this stuff is hard to do and if you can do it apart from one another or shoulder to shoulder not making eye contact it's so much easier thanks for listening to the imperfect normal families only podcast this is barrett and this is jennifer and we're so glad you joined us today we'll see you next time bye